the day and I'll go to school tomorrow. First impressions are incredibly important. Honey, you can make a wonderful first impression. Brenda, how could you? He was a jerk, okay? I've made my choice and I choose me. Beverly Hills 90210 fans, welcome into 90210 So, Beverly Hills 90210 podcast retrospective series. I am JT, and joining me as always on this journey is my buddy Tim. Tim, how are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, I feel like it's been a little while since we chatted, JT, mm. but not any real break for the listeners. Uh, that's that's how on top of this show we are. We um, we're we're pretty. If nothing else, we're pretty organized and pretty well scheduled out uh because we so enjoy doing this and show so enjoy our journey through beverly hills so um how have you been i'm good we're as locked in as steve sanders picking a song on a jukebox my friend we are ready <laughs> yeah. to rock uh which would be well just wish we had heard the actual <laughs> song on the jukebox but true we'll, we'll cover we'll that off later that. yeah we'll get to that yeah. Uh, I'm good. I'm good, buddy. It has been far too long, but I am ready to dive into the world of 90210 here tonight, as always. And we actually have a first-time guest tonight, which was exciting. Um, oh, man. I think we have yeah. a lot of returning guests, but uh, time for a new one. And that is our good buddy, Mr. Matt Souza. Matt, how are you? Uh, gentlemen, uh, great to be here. Uh, first time, long time. Uh, ha- happy to be here on my uh, maiden voyage here on 90210. Uh, yeah, it is your maiden voyage. Of course, you do a lot of podcasts across all of our networks, which we're going to touch mm-hmm. on later. Uh, but as we always do, when we do have a new guest, Matt, do you have any history with the show that you want to share? Have you watched in the past? Is this your first time watching it? Like, where is your relationship with Beverly Hills 90210? Uh, it's very minimal. I, I've definitely seen an episode or two here and there, like on there's that Pluto channel. I've thrown that on just for like background noise. But to say I've watched the full series, uh, no, just because it's it's very daunting to me when you look at how many seasons and how many episodes mm-hmm. per season. It took me seven. I was just mentioning this earlier in one of our other uh, chats. It took me seven years to get through Parks and Rec, and that's one of my favorite <laughs> shows of all oh time. God. So I have no idea. I think it's longer than it was on the air. Seven, I know. Seven so it would take me uh probably 25 years to get through all of 90210 mm-hmm. but it, it is a show i've been interested in uh just uh, don't have the time to watch it okay. so you knew the characters on some level some familiarity right yep when you watch this one tonight okay mm-hmm. all right very good very good well it's a very uh i would say it's a pretty infamous episode i think anyone with a tangential knowledge or somewhat 90210 fan knows of the general premise of this episode maybe not the specifics but you at least you have an idea uh about this one when you when you kind of see the description or when we mention what's going on you'll it'll click for you at least and be like oh yeah that one so let's yeah. dive in oh good yeah it's so. i'm just gonna say it's it's one that um it might not be the most memorable to people but it's one that's sort of important in the sense that like a lot of this would influence, you know, like a character Bible for a show mm-hmm. like this. You get into some backstory for um, one of the main characters and just her her family, which we hadn't really seen before. And it's like, well, we should probably remember this for future episodes. Um, not that it's going to come up a lot, but 
uh, here we are two seasons in, um, finally getting some of the family life of, of one character fleshed out in a way we really haven't seen. And I can't believe this is Matt's first episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Doubly exciting, yes. He only guests on every other show and does everything right? else. I mean, right? I mean, talk to this man all God. the time. And yeah, here we are. <laughs> All right. Well, we saved him for a good one. That is season two, episode 12. It's episode 34 overall of the series. That is Down and Out of District in Beverly Hills. Aired October 17th, 1991. 15 uh, rating, uh, 50 million viewers, I should say. So that's that's down. So if you kind of look at our last few, we had Ashes to Ashes, which was the backdoor pilot. That was 19 million. Uh, Then we had Necessity as a Mother. Uh, that was down to 16 and a half million leading for the heart, which is with the, the wheelchair cousin of Brandon mm-hmm. and Brenda. That was 15.9. And now we're down to 15 million for this episode on October 17th. They'd be off a week. And then in two weeks, we have a very special uh, holiday themed episode that bounces back up. And then we really bounce back up into the end of the uh, like November sweeps time period. So nice. Okay. Yeah, lots to get into there, but uh, more to come as we move forward. So let's head right in. We start the hallway where Andrea's point of view. She's walking down the hall. Everyone's kind of startled and shocked. Andrea, what are you doing? And we realize if, if anyone of a 90210 fan at this point has been watching knows this is definitely a dream based on the way it's shot. Um, and she's having a panic dream that she came to school naked. Andrea wakes up and she shook. Uh, we kind of get a quick montage of her long bus ride into West Beverly. Of course, she lives on the other side of the tracks. We know that's at least been established that she uses her grandmother's address uh, to come to West Beverly because it's a better school. Uh, she goes right into the Beverly Blaze. We get our very brief uh, shot of Emily Valentine. She's flirting with Brandon. We don't see her again in the episode. I, I'm still perplexed at the usage of Emily so far. Um, that we've had these little dalliances, but really just a background character. I know she comes back with a vengeance very soon, but um, for now, she's been very much just in the background. Brandon reveals that he didn't enter comp- uh, enter some competition that Andrea asked him to enter, and he reveals instead he entered Andrea's piece on food. Uh, I think it was was a cafeteria food. I, I kind of missed the exact premise of it. But. Yeah, she did some kind of expose on the cafeteria. <laughs> and I guess maybe food safety. I don't know. Did right. did Andrea was she inspired by uh, what was that book? The Jungle, which was the <laughs> yes. Upton Sinclair, whatever. Yeah. Like she, maybe she just read that and was like, "Wonder how gross our food is at this school." Let's it's a high out. school. It's probably really bad. Mm-hmm. Or uh, I mean, I don't know if it's like a college where the the long rumor was always that they put the laxatives in the food to ensure any uh, undercooked food would be flushed through your system quickly. I don't know. Ah, I don't know if you guys okay. had that rumor ever in any schools you were in, but that was a that was a big rumor <laughs> in our co- our college was that they they put laxatives in the food to make sure it went through your system quickly, just in case. <laughs> Just That's in case amazing. anything was spoiled or undercooked. That's great. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. So anyway, Brandon entered that piece that Andrea wrote. And Andrea's kind of pissed because she's like, listen, I can get kicked out of school because of me living in another district. But Brandon says, don't worry. I used your grandmother's address. And Andrea kind of gets a little hot, though, that uh, she's like, oh, you liked my article, though, huh? And, you know, so she's, of course, anytime Brandon shows any affection to anything, she gets all heated up. So. We head to the peach pit. Brandon's working. He's serving a hot blonde. Steve gets changed for the jukebox. Uh, the blonde, we find out his name, Christine. She says she's waiting for a call, but she's uh, ready to bail on the guy she's waiting for. We find out uh, that she's from North Culver, 
And she goes over and flirts with Steve at the jukebox and reveals that she has no ride. So Steve offers to give her a ride home. And she says, I can buy you dinner. And says, actually, no, I can't because I just realized how late it was. And I'm addicted to reruns of the Hartley House. I need to get home to watch. Steve, of course, gives a look. And we cut. And they're in his bedroom watching the Hartley House. Steve starts to make a move. Christine just keeps talking about Samantha Sanders. Uh, She's nervous uh, to kind of get it on. And then Christine gives in and says, I feel like I already know you, Steve. And uh, that's it. We kind of cut out on them set to have a good time. Uh, So a couple quick hit scenes here, Tim, to get us rolling. But anything initial thoughts on these first kind of setting up Andrea, I I guess, reestablishing in our memory that she's on the other side of the tracks. Obviously, it's going to play a big role. And Steve and Christine. These are our two big storylines that are going to carry us through. Yep. So uh, we're setting up our two kind of parallel running storylines here. Um, I thought it was a little bit presumptuous of Brandon to just enter Andre in this contest uh, without her even knowing about it or having any input. Uh, I mean, I know he's trying to do a nice thing, but right. she does have a valid reason to be worried about this. Like, it's come up before in the show, and especially through him and through his actions. So it's like, you really didn't even consider that? Come on. Um, and here's how scatterbrained I was when I watched this episode. Um, Steve's new love interest, her name is Christine. I guess because we haven't seen um, the Emily character in so long, and I was so just out to lunch when I watched this, I somehow forgot that um, Emily uh, is played by the actress Christine Elise, but Mm -hmm. her character is not named Christine. And I'm sitting here going, did they just really introduce a new character who's <laughs> also Christine? And I was like, oh, wait, no. That's Christine, yeah, no, that's Emily, and that's okay. I I just had a total, like, meltdown over that. So, um, and over nothing, because I just, my brain was complete mush. So, yeah, we, um, we meet Christine. She seems uh, a little bit too good to be true right off the bat here. So, mm, gonna... Keep an eye on that one. Maddie, what are you thinking? Yeah, I'm kind of with Tim. It was definitely a case of, like, too good to be true. Like, I don't know. Like, I was getting some rough vibes off of her just to kind of begin with. Like, it, mm-hmm. it, it almost seemed, like, too perfect that, oh, here I am, and I love Hartley House, and here she is, and here he is. So, uh, definitely very weird. And uh, I, I do need to ask, uh, as far as, like, the living out of a district thing, like, is, is this a thing that would actually happen in real life? Because I've never experienced or heard of something like that. So it is. It, mm-hmm. My sister actually did it for high school uh, huh. because okay. our local high school well, at the time wasn't even accredited. It was like notoriously just not a great place. Mm-hmm. I went to a Catholic school, which is all boys. So she was more limited on options. And mm-hmm. the public school that my grandparents lived near, it, it wasn't a district, it was a town. You know, different city or whatever. I mean, for math education, it was the geography, whatever. We lived in West Warwick, and right, this was like right. Christ. So we used my grandmother's address for her. And she actually mm-hmm. went through a lot of the similar stuff. Like, she couldn't huh. have friends over. And she was, like, angry about it in high school. Because, like, no friends could come to her house unless we really trusted the family. And it was, like, someone close that it didn't matter if they knew. Because they didn't want to screw it up and have her get kicked out. So, yeah, we, we actually lived this exact scenario. Huh. <laughs> That uh, yeah, I've always I, heard of this scenario, but I I never really thought that it was actually a real thing. I thought it was a TV trope, to be perfectly honest. 
That's funny. I, I went, I wouldn't say I went through it to this extent, but, um, we definitely had, and I just went to public school and not even a very, you know, populated area, area just in the suburbs, but, um, they had a real problem with overcrowding by the time I was an upperclassman in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how severely they were really cracking down on people, but you were definitely hearing rumblings of like, all right, we, we cannot accept anyone else, you know, who's out of district. And, um, and it was just the fact that the school was built in the seventies and this was now the early two thousands. There's too many bodies in it. Um, and uh, we ended up moving, like, in the middle of my junior year. We moved to a uh, house in a neighborhood that was actually closer to the school than where I was at the time, which was in district. And the this place that was closer was technically out of district. You know, tell me <laughs> how that works. But it's just, yeah. you know, how the lines are drawn. Right. Um, but, you know, I didn't say anything for the rest of that year. And I think I just, for all of our uh, mail that we would get from the school, we just, we didn't tell them that we had moved and just, we just allowed it to keep getting forwarded for like a year. Um, I don't know that they would have done anything if I, you know, had actually changed my address and they said, well, you realize this is out of district, but my senior year, I wasn't going to take any chances. Right. So, Right, right. It was it was on my mind enough that I was like a little bit worried about it. But I was like, mm. as long as our mail's still getting forwarded, I guess they're not gonna ever know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be out of here in a year, so right, right, right. it's gonna get through. Yeah. Um. All right. So we have a pretty big debut. I got right. I don't think we've seen Mrs. Teasley before this, have we, Tim? Um, I know we saw we her. Have a, but have we seen her as? I Mrs. don't know that she was the. I don't know that she was the principal though. She was like a. Oh, guys! Because she met with she met with Donna when Donna was going through That's her right. her testing for, but I don't know that she was necessarily the principal at the time. She might have just been a, like a guidance counselor. I'm not sure exactly, but yeah, before that, she did play a different character for the um, infamous uh, Cindy emotionally cheats on Jim. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> with the twin studies. Yeah, twin study. Um, so she, anyway, it seems like she's officially pretty much in here as, I, I guess, as principal or, as, I don't know, maybe she is a guidance counselor. They don't really say here, but she's in a position of authority. Uh, she reveals Andrea won the Times competition, and the district PR is sending her up to her house today for a profile. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> really Give her fast. some notice. I mean, shit. Yeah, really. Yeah, like, this is it. Yeah, you good? All right, they're coming. Andrea's in full panic mode uh, because her grandmother's going to be involved in this. And we cut right away to Grandma Rose's house. Andrea and Brandon are trying to explain what's going on, but the doorbell rings. Andrea panics, but it's just Rose's friends. Uh, for shits and giggles, we'll call them Blanche, Dorothy, and Sophia. <laughs> uh, the Golden <laughs> Girls. <still up>. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much how it's, how it's set up. It's pretty much how it's set up. Um, so they come in. Uh, they're gushing over Andrea. What a nice figure. Your eyes. Are, Brandon's cute. You're a great boyfriend. Rose calls him Bramford instead of Brandon. Uh, <laughs> odd. Uh, Andrea explains to Rose what's going on and says they have to show that she lives here. But Rose isn't up with the lies. And pretty much says, look, I agreed to let you use my address, but I told you I did not want to be involved. And I would not be involved in the lies to do this. 
Andrea begs, but Rose is shaky. She says, I'm going to sit here and pay Kaluki with my friends. And if, uh, you know, she won't lie if she's asked directly. She's not going to proactively say anything. She'll sit there. But if they say specifically to me, does Andrea live here? I'm not going to lie. So Mr. Kramer, the PR guy, shows up, uh, puts over Andrea's mature taste uh, of the house. He questions about her life there. Uh, he says, oh, you sleep on the couch. And right when she's about to leave, he's about to leave. Rose says something like, yeah, I mean, it's great having Andre here, but sometimes you don't even think a teenager lives here, <laughs> basically, <laughs> uh, because she's never around. Andre is not happy. Uh, Rose gives her shit after Kramer leaves, says that, you know, you spend hours on a bus so you can convert uh, with the rich kids. Uh, Andrea gets upset about that. Rose takes a hard line. Andrea basically compares it to Rose lying about the Holocaust, like to survive the Holocaust. <laughs> Rose Sorry. shuts that down hard. Um, and we kind of leave at a stalemate. So this is a pretty big scene, Matt. It's a long scene. What'd you think of this whole thing? Boy, there's a lot happening here, isn't there? <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I, I hope Rose uh, sprayed Drea at some point with Windex and baked her a bunt cake. That was a uh, that was a my big fat Greek wedding joke. Uh, she at one point called Brandon Brockton, which uh, <laughs> as a Massachusettsian popped me quite hard. Brockton. Uh, what, what the fuck is Kaluki? <laughs> Does anybody know? Is that a real thing? I, don't, um, I meant to look it up, but... <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to look it up in a second. I don't know that I've ever heard of it in all my I, years I've, on this earth. I've, it sounds like a fake game, to be honest. I've never heard of it before. But, yeah, there's a lot happening here. Uh, Grandma also, at one point, I, I, felt, I felt like she kind of came off as like a mob boss out of Goodfellas, like, <laughs> like begging, <laughs> begging Drea to kiss the ring and I'll lie for you type of thing. I was, and, then, and then she brings up the Holocaust, and boy, we sure did take a 180 real quick. Uh, did not see that coming. <laughs> holy, <laughs> holy Lord. Like, I, was, so, I, was, I was not expecting that. <laughs> Kaluki is basically Jamaican rummy. It's a uh, it's a contact contract rummy popular in Jamaica. A few versions of the game, so kind of goes through. But Lakes is basically like a gin rummy type game. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. They're very old, and only old people play rummy, so that uh, that that does make a lot of sense. But yeah, this was this was uh, something. I went from uh, laughing my ass off to oh god in damn near record time. Yeah. Um... There's a really bad joke. Um, just <laughs> I've already prefacedly setting you up here to know this is really bad. That goes, what's worse than a worm in your apple? I don't know what the Holocaust. <laughs> and yes, um, because that's quite the escalation from one problem to another. And uh, that's what we have here, because all of a sudden we're talking about one thing. We're talking about living out of district and telling a little white lie. And now. It's flashbacks mm -hmm. to the Holocaust. And, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. It's quite sudden. It really is for this yeah. this episode of a '90s uh, primetime. I mean, I, drama. I get what Andrea is going for, like basically in a way calling her a hypocrite. Like, mm -hmm. listen, you, you've been okay in the past lying about a situation to justify right. ends, right? Um, it's more of a look at the greater good sort of right. Like that was your. Here. I don't. Right. Yeah. Like, this is my Holocaust, basically, is what she's saying, right? This, <laughs> this is my... <laughs> she does stop short of saying that. Right, yes. basically. She's like, this, that was important to you, but I'm not living through that. So, like, mm -hmm. but this is me. Like, this is, my life is in the balance here. It may not seem it to you, but 
if I go to this crappy school, it could affect my entire future. I don't belong there. I belong here. But because of stupid logistics and red tape, I can't go where I should be. And and understandably, I'm sure she's thinking, what grandmother wants to see their granddaughter, exactly. who is right. this right. academic scholar leader in her in her school among her peers, get expelled? And yeah. apparently, she's kind of flipping about it. She's like, well, I wasn't supposed to be involved. I'm not going to lie for you. Right. Uh, you're on your own. And she basically kind of tells her to go fuck herself. Well, and, and, and I like, think what. Andrea tries to eventually get to, and I don't know if we ever actually get it as a clear reason, and I think they try to get there, is that she's not really doing it because it's not about the lying. It's mm-hmm. about the p- issue with the parents. Like, that's the vibe yeah. I get, was that right. she yeah. doesn't want to be involved in that piece of it because yeah, exactly. it has to do with them. And it's it's helping them out. Like, that's that's the vibe I think they try to get to eventually. I don't know if they ever make it clear. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. Uh, um, all right, Tim. Then well, I'll... yeah, we'll get into more of that. I think. Yeah, no, I, I think we pretty much um, covered that ground. That was, yeah, it was. Uh, by the way, um, the actress who plays Andrea's grandmother is going to change uh, between here and I don't know if it's the next time we see her, but I'll just say between this introduction and. When she shows up again in season, I think it's five, um, she's going to age approximately 40 years. Um, <laughs> so just keep that in mind. Yeah, I thought this grandma Rose seemed different. I guess I, I thought I just misremembered what she was like. But, I mean, this one was very good for the role. Mm. This actress was very good for the role they pegged her for. Like, very much yeah. right, on, right on point. Um, all right, Steve and Christine are at the Peach Pit. They're celebrating their one-week anniversary. Uh, they're flirting across the room. Kelly is shit talking to Christine to Donna. Made us some jealousy there. We're not sure. Uh, Steve reveals that he's got REM tickets at the Fox Theater for Christine, and Kelly kind of stomps off. We then go to Dylan and Brandon. They're at school talking about going dune buggying this weekend. <laughs> Steve says he's going to REM, so he can't go. Kelly cuts in and gives some attitude. Her and Steve bicker. She tells Steve, You got what you paid for. Steve just says she's a snob. Uh, and he goes, it's not like Christine lives in the valley and then realizes Andrea standing right there. She lives in the valley. So he apologizes to her for that comment. David comes in and tells Andrea that Mrs. Teasley wants to talk to her. We go to the office and Teasley reveals that Mr. Kramer has expressed doubts that Andrea really lives with Grandma Rose and he won't do the profile because of it. And so now because of that, Teasley has to open an official investigation and do a house visit. But she kind of says... It was very Dumbledore, I guess. Like, I don't know if she was trying to, like, uh, let on that she knows the no. But, you know, she's telling Andrea, like, look, we all need to pretend. Um, The way she says it, like, but I know you live there and you're not lying, right? Like, so she kind (laughs) of lets Andrea know, wink, wink, maybe she's in on it. And that she's got her back. Andrea calls Grandma Rose. Rose tells her she could move in over the weekend because she'd rather live there than lie about it. Uh, Brandon says he can help Andrea move, but oh man, I gotta go dune bugging, but I can come in the morning. <laughs> I thought that was kind of weak. Um, that yeah. was bad. Unless Dylan has like rented dune buggies, I guess, and it's like maybe like he'd lose yeah. the, the money. I, it must be some kind of official trip because I feel like that's like a weak excuse to not go help yeah. Andrea in, in the situation that Brandon caused, by the way. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> True. 
created this way to take responsibility. And he's like, well, I gotta go ride dune buggies with Dylan. I gotta go do this cool thing and not help you with your bullshit. Uh, So Andre starts crying. Um, So Matt, any, any thoughts on these few scenes here? Yeah, a uh, couple things here. Uh, Christine had the one-week anniversary timed to the exact second. She sure uh, did. Which was uh, quite something. Uh, Kelly had uh, my exact reaction to them going to see R.E.M., which is, uh, ugh, I'm out of here. Uh, End of the was, world, felt like. <laughs> yeah, pretty Jeez. much. <laughs> Uh, Steve, at one point, uh, before he uh, made the crack about the valley to Drea, uh, Steve was dressed like Satan on his day off with that bright-ass red shirt and that, <laughs> yes. those black pants. It was, it, was, uh, it was quite the look there. But, uh, uh, yeah, and uh, it's it's nice that uh, Drea's grandmother is uh, letting her move in this weekend after that Holocaust crack, for God's sake. Yes, yes. <laughs> um... I do wonder how much interaction or exposure Kelly has really had to Christine at this point to justify her being as petty as she is. I mean, she's not wrong. That's all she usually that, hasn't that, been. That's how Kelly's right. been projected. Is that that's the thing? She, yeah. She's actually been like set up as a very astute judge of character. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is not the first time where her initial reaction to someone seems like it's her being either petty or shitty. But in the end, it's like, no, like she knows. I think it won't be the last time either. (laughs) I think they're trying to hint it as that she's just mature and like been around a lot, whether it's her mom's friends and, and, you know, undesirables her during maybe her more fast and looser days. Like, I think it's been set up that Kelly's just aged more than these other people. And she's seen a lot. So I think that's how they try and play it. Like, she's just more in tune and has seen it all basically because of the, her lifestyle and her mom's lifestyle. So she can immediately identify a gold digger, right? It's basically what they're trying to say here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of odd because it comes across as, it always comes across as her being possessive towards Steve. Yes. She's never yeah. really been in the past. Um, right. I could see her being kind of, but he hasn't dated anyone in the past petty. either, but he had, yeah, he hasn't dated really outside of showing his undying interest in Kelly. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we're we're kind of seeing the shoe on the other foot there, um, but yeah, here we have now Andrea actually moving in with her grandmother, as we learn about via phone conversation. Um, so it's sort of this this ties back to an earlier point you made, JT, where it's maybe maybe not so much about the fact of the lie. It's oh, it's you know I, I'm good enough that you can use my address. Right. For school purposes, mm-hmm. so you can, you know, pull the wool over everybody's eyes, but I'm not good enough to actually live with sort of thing. And you're going to stay with your parents who have slighted me in whatever way we don't really learn about. Right. Mm-hmm. So we don't know, but there's some some definite b- bad blood between them. So you figure Grandma Rose is looking on Andrea saying you're just, you're just trying to have it both ways. You're trying right. to trying to have the nice family life and go to the good school. Whereas I'm sitting here, you know, thinking, you know, you could actually live here. Like, although it doesn't seem like the most welcoming environment. I mean, does she not mm-hmm. have at least a spare bedroom? But 
It doesn't seem it. It seems like it's a anyway. one-bedroom house, apparently. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, apparently. It's also an easier commute, I guess, like, too. Like, that's a good positive. Right, yeah. She doesn't have mm-hmm. to take the mm-hmm. bus twice and all this other shit. But her bedroom drive through the valley, as we're told, is so horrible. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, ever driven in a valley otherwise. The All-Valley Tournament, I thought it was like. The All-Valley Tournament, come on, yeah. You ever driven uh, in a valley, Tim? They're, they're not great. Uh, well, you know, we have the Hill and Valley region here in the Commonwealth that, mm-hmm. uh, it is is full of hills and valleys. As it have implies. you ever taken a bus through the valley? I've never taken a bus yeah, through the valley. Is, is there peaks with be, those valleys? I mean, you gotta you gotta imagine at some mm-hmm. point they they come to a peak, mm-hmm. the hills in the you know at the end of the valley. But um, this is just a, a real nightmare for Andrea here. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna right, see, what see if we can get through it. Pull this thing off. We go to the Fox Theater as Steve and Christine pull up in a limo. They walk on the carpet. We see David is in line. And he's like, Sanders, why don't you have to wait in line? And he looks at him, pats him on the arm, says, clean living, Dave. <laughs> I don't know what it meant, but it cracked me up. <laughs> it's a great the Steve line. Yeah. Steve clean, living, clean living. Andre and Rose are preparing her couch bed. Rose wants her to get a robe. Andre is not a robe, robe person, like a friends of ours. Uh, she, she calls Brian not a rope family. Um, Rose is not happy. Her parents didn't drive her over. Why'd you have to take the bus? Andrea apologized for her comments with the Holocaust. Rose kind of just hand waves them, doesn't want to talk about it again. Andrea's mom calls to check in, and Andrea just yells at her mom, I'm not getting involved. <laughs> this is not booked in this feud with Rose. Not happy. Uh, we go back to the Fox Theater. Steve and Christine are leaving the show, and Christine's bummed that they can't get backstage. Uh, and she's mad about it. She's not happy. She's and she's like grilling Steve, like you couldn't just get us backstage. Why can't we get backstage? Can we go backstage now? <laughs> she really wants to meet REM. Damn. Uh, David comes over to gush. Uh, he says he's close friends with Steve, and Steve's like, ah. Eh. Uh, David shows off his autograph program. Christine's pissed because apparently David snuck backstage. And got the autograph. So she's like, this scrub got back there. Why can't we? Uh, and she complained about that. She complains about the limo. The limo's late. She says, we're never going to use this company again. Don't give them a tip. Um, the limo pulls up. They get in. Christine's still being pissy. Steve's trying to get it in in the back of the limo. He's talking about so, you know, a movie, banging in the limo, and he wants to recreate it. Um, and Steve then says, you know, maybe next week we can go jewelry shopping, and I'll get you something nice. And Christine immediately turns her attitude around apologizes for being bitchy so she feels like cinderella with steve and is afraid it'll disappear they both say i love you they close the window and start to make out so a lot of a lot of uh activity with steve in this episode <laughs> uh we go back outside west bev the crew's hanging by a tree andre is struggling to adapt to roses in comes steve Kelly and Donna arrive, so now we get the whole crew there. Steve reveals they got a double date with Dylan and Brenda tonight, so that's uh, that's on. I always find these episodes interesting where Dylan's just like a side player. I think they try and do it yeah. to show the ebbs and flows of his life. Like, he's volatile for a while, and then he just kind of settles in, and he's happy for a while. Mm-hmm. So, like, this is really just like, he's just like a side character right now. And I think this may be the least we've seen Brenda in the show's history in this episode. She has a scene coming later, but for most of this episode, she's, like, not involved at all. Mm-hmm. That is true. She is very sidelined here. 
Uh, Kelly says that Christine is a phony, and Steve said, and uh, Steve just likes anyone in a skirt, and he wasn't always that way until it says, "Oh yeah, the good old days," <laughs> which is funny. Uh, Brandon tries to cheer up Andrea, who's just bummed about everything, and Donna basically says, "Is this place even worth the hassle?" And Andrea is not happy about that. She's like, "You have no idea what these other schools are like. Uh, the one I went to wouldn't even have a newspaper due to lack of funds." And she basically money shames them all, which is a shitty approach. And I think mm-hmm. I think Andrea re- realizes that as she's doing it and kind of pulls back. Like, it's not these kids' fault that they are they were born into money. I mean, it's just how it is. Like, don't shame them for having the life they have. Uh, Brenda then just basically says, Andrea, why are you so mad? Uh, and Andrea, Andrea admits, like, it's because uh, I'm like an overnight guest. I don't look like I live there. I'm just staying on the couch, and it still looks stupid, and it's not going to work. And Kelly says, no, we'll fix this. I am the queen of makeovers. So we get a full-on old-school girls makeover montage, which I don't know if this is the real song like we're going to see. It was like a saloon 1940s music. <laughs> this like, was I was absurd. expecting like Debbie Gibson right. or something, but um, it's literally like... I don't even know how to explain what it was. <laughs> some kind of old time, some kind of like... Right. It was like a Charlie Chaplin movie. Ragtime or some sort of... Yeah. Like, it, it's just so out of place. From from the pre-talkie era of... Uh... It's like... Is it like, okay, old lady, old lady's house, we're going to fix... I mean, it's just... Uh, I, guess, I don't know what the... Yeah, I mean, but it's high schoolers uh, you right, know, right. cleaning. Yeah, just... I would have I would have put, put some REM on. Like that's the theme of the show here. No, mm-hmm. I'll I'll take the old timey music over over REM. Well, maybe maybe we will learn that that was actually what was playing over this. I don't. Yeah, I don't know how else to explain it. Uh, Rose's house is now teen friendly, which is really just not much. It's like the bed is made up. We got some posters. <laughs> uh, Kelly mm-hmm. puts up a picture of Andre and her mom, and Rose sees it and stomps off. Uh, later, Andrea's having dinner with Rose. She talks about old holidays, and she loved when Rose used to come over and cook meals and says, you know, maybe you could come over again. And Rose is like, yeah, just kind of shuts her down. Um, all right. Uh, Tim, what did you think of everything to this point here? Uh, I, I like the scene of everyone outside during lunch. Um, <laughs> you know, Donna's little, what are you so upset about? <laughs> it's like welcome to the conversation, Donna. Yeah, where the uh, fuck's that? Just like, is the school even worth it? <laughs> Come on, did she not just blast you two seconds ago? Um, also, welcome to Brandon's lap, Donna. What? What was? Did anyone notice how Donna just sort of nonchalantly mm-hmm. plops down on Brandon's lap and he starts? Mm hand feeding her like a sandwich it was so bizarre <laughs> they do that a um, lot with those two. like i feel like it's a it's common very thing. casual i think he's also rubbing her back and it's just yeah i don't know i mean i i guess in close friendship groups with you know in mixed genders you know guys and girls get a little familiar but um i don't know it was just odd to see the two of them but i feel like it's not the first sort of, time right like haven't they i think we've talked it's about probably not yeah. I feel like they've it's, had a little. Um, it felt the most um, touchy feely between the two. It, I'm sure it's not. No, it's not the first, but it right. it just felt very. I, feel, like I thought there was one where they kissed or something that we've seen or something like that. I don't know. Maybe. Not. Um, I mean, I I know they do later on. Yeah. But um, I don't know. 
Maybe not. Maybe I'm yeah. just thinking of something I washed out of order. But. Well, yeah, we are guilty of that. <laughs> hey, Pluto, right? Um, but anyway, yeah, it's a good scene for Andre where she kind of just reads everybody the riot act, which she does catch herself in the moment and, and stops and realizes, you know, this is really my problem, not theirs. But um, it felt very... Um, it was just a, a nice sympathetic moment for her. And mm-hmm. I think it sort of parallels what Steve is going through with this, this new love interest where we actually see for the first time how kind of desperate he is and kind of how lovelorn he is, which is important because this is the character we've commented on in the past about how when they need sort of the bad guy of the week, the villain of the week, um, they often default to Steve, right? Just, because it's easy to plug him into that antagonistic sort of asshole mm-hmm. role. So I think after enough go-rounds, it's nice to see a softer side of Steve, where he is much more sympathetic, and you sort of feel for the guy. Um, that was important to see, I think, for that that character. Um, and we Not that we haven't before, but we haven't in, I feel like, quite a long time. So good to get back to that. Um, and yeah, nice to... Nice to see some interaction between characters who we don't often get it from. We've made plans to have a uh, a Steve, Christine, Dylan, uh, Brenda double date, which, I mean, I can't even say it. It's such a weird combination <laughs> right. of characters, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of down for where this is going. Yeah, I, I mean, a, a couple of uh, we we finally realize uh, during the uh, limo scene that uh, Christine absolutely sucks as a human. Uh, <laughs> uh, one, when she immediately forgives him as soon as Steve mentions a jewelry store. Mm-hmm. Uh, t- two, uh, the driver is late and Christine doesn't want Steve to tip him. And three, wanting to meet Michael Stipe. I mean, that, that's the <laughs> Three red flags right there. Uh, I also like the scene when they're uh, outside the tree. Uh, but at one point, Drea does call her grandmother a walking time bomb. So first you, first <laughs> sure. you bring up the Holocaust. And now you're going to b- compare your grandmother to a Pearl Harbor bomb. What is wrong wow. with you? Don't do that. But uh, yeah, and she also says, a, uh, you people have no idea what it's like there. Today. She sure so, does. So, yeah, uh, she is having a time, and that time is uh, not a good one. So, uh, yes, uh, she is in the thick of it here. Do you feel like, <clears throat> are they like too heavy handed with Christine? <clears throat> like, it almost feels like they're maybe too, yeah. it, like they could have maybe played it a little more subtle. I feel mm-hmm. like they're, they're like very hammer a plot, sledgehammer a plot with her, yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. Being such an obvious gold digger to the point where it actually makes Steve look kind of stupid that he's not realizing it. You know what I mean? I think like, I, I maybe... feel like. Okay, Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I, I feel like maybe if they had spread this out over a couple episodes, it would have worked better. Right. But the fact the fact that Jay just banged through the entire thing, as we'll talk about uh, in one week, it's it's a bit much. Yeah, maybe they could have played it off a little bit where she slowly seems happier she kind of takes mm-hmm. things in stride and, and then gets more and more into it whereas like she comes out of the gate here just like immediately being obvious and demanding by this by the scene is where it really starts right the transparency of of her character as this very materialistic person um it almost seems like she's trying to con him right like she's a, yes that's what i kept waiting for con yeah. artist sort of thing and the fact that it's it's so obvious and yet 
he's still just so desperate for um, right. attention and love. I think, I think it's sort of supposed to come across as very heavy handed to us. Like, Oh my God, even at, even if it makes him look stupid, it's like, you can't help but feel for the guy. It's like, he must see this. And yet he's all these red flags are just, you know, right. he just sees as, as a green light because he's just getting attention from somebody and, you know, he's, he's clearly attracted to her. Um, and it's like, well, you'll do <laughs> even if it's, you, <laughs> I feel like there's a couple, just, like a couple things in this episode where <clears throat> it's just like slightly off, right? Like, mm they could have played it a little differently and, and not had to be as weird feeling. Like if he, if they played it more like he kind of knew, but he was like purposely being obtuse because he just wanted the happiness, but they don't play it that way. Mm -hmm. He's like aloof to it, which I guess Steve's always kind of aloof. So maybe it's fine, but it would have been come up better if it was like, yeah, well it's like, it's clear. He knows he's kind of being used, but he wants to believe he isn't right. It's not even presented that way. He's like completely in the dark that he's being used. Right. It, mm-hmm. it takes kind of a, you're right. We, we're not there yet, but it, it takes sort of a wake up call for him to actually see it. And it's like, did right. you really need it mm-hmm. to come to all that? I mean, yeah, <laughs> to your point, it's like, he should have seen it all, all along and just was being willingly oblivious. Or just admit it. Like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. I'm being used. Yeah. Fine. Mm-hmm, right. I don't care. Like I haven't had a girlfriend. Forever. I didn't think it bothered me until it did. You know. Yeah. It's nice just mm-hmm. being, having someone that cares, right? Just say it, just do that. And be like, I don't, whatever. I got the money. Who gives a shit? It's not mm-hmm. my money, right? It's like a sports deal. I don't care. Exactly. Spend it. It's not my money. It's Hartley house money. Keep those checks cashed. All right. Big scene coming as we're at the Walsh house. Brenda and Dylan are hanging out, talking about uh, how happy and doting Steve has been. They haven't seen that side of him. Uh, he's always been pining for Kelly, but now he's seems like he's happy. Steve and Christine come to the kitchen I mean, Christine, it's like, she's so unlikable. She's like, oh, I'm starving. And she's like, when's dinner going to be ready? And Dylan's like, well, it'll be about 45 minutes. She's like, 45 minutes? You know, like, like mm. whining about everything. Who cares? Yeah. I'm like, saying this fucking guy is, like, making you dinner. Like, shut up. Like, just chill. <laughs> and they try again, then play like, she just wants to go to, like, a nice restaurant, right? Like, she wants to be spending the money, so... She was like, I thought we were going out. We could have been in a nice restaurant instead of sitting at home. Brenda tries to kind of play it off. Like, I like being home. You know, you don't have to worry about if the food sucks or whatever else. And um, the guy, Dylan, even says, we'll make you some hors d'oeuvres, you know, while you wait. Yeah. We'll, you know, make some food for you. you guys go hang. Uh, Christine asks Brenda to go look at her clothes. So they go up to her room. Uh, they go into the closet. Christine says we should go shopping sometime. Uh, but Brenda's like, yeah, you know, kind of maxed out right now. I'm waiting for sales. Christine says she hates sales because all people are there picking through everything. And Brenda goes, well, you get double the amount. Yeah, she's trying. All like Brenda's trying to... normal. <laughs> well, I think I'm guessing Christine, it's like assumes Brenda is also rich. Right. And Brenda's kind of mm-hmm. show her that like, no, I'm, you know, we're kind of just a middle class family that got some luck. Right. Kind of moved up a little bit. But uh, compared to Kelly and Steve and everyone else, like we're still not quite there. Um so Christine's pouty again a little bit. She talks about all the things Steve buys her. She says, I'm hoping for spring break. We go to Hawaii. <laughs> like, I mean, she's got, she's shooting for the stars here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then Christine straight out says it. She's like, Steve reminds me of Richard Gere and pretty woman. And Brenda's like, well, does that make you Julia Roberts? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> she's like, well, she was a prostitute. <laughs> and Christine's like, so, so what? 
Like it doesn't. She doesn't give a shit at all. And no. Brenda basically, this is where it clicks for her that Christine's like shitty person, and Kelly was right. And she says, "I don't like you using Steve." And she says, "We use each other." So she admits it. She's using for his money, and Steve is using her for companionship. Uh, Christine, Steve comes in. Christine wants to leave. Uh, right away, Steve goes, way to go, Bren. <laughs> Poor Bren. <laughs> Whether it's Dylan, Brandon, Steve, way to go, Bren. Right. And Bren, always Brenda's fault. It's always Brenda's fault. Uh, but he doesn't, it, always a bitch, right? But she doesn't back down. She says, you got to leave. Let her go. Like, she sucks. Let her go. Let this um, one go. Yeah, like, no good. And basically says, Kelly poisoned you, right? Like, basically, you listen to Kelly. Um, so he leaves with Christine. So this is a pretty big scene. Uh, Matt, what'd you think of this one? Yeah, I thought this was really well done. Uh, that stare that Brenda gives Christine at one point when she looks up <laughs> yeah. from the counter, I was fucking terrified. Never mind. I don't care what Christine was. I was terrified 30 years mm-hmm. later. Uh, Steve uh, was wearing a shirt that looked like if a tie was a dress shirt. It was quite a look <laughs> he had he had going on there. Uh, the scene where Brenda finally figures out that Christine is a gold digger, I, I thought that was really well done. Uh, the yeah. Richard Gear line was hysterical. <laughs> I thought that was that was such a perfect way of putting it. I mean, and, the one thing I'll say about Christine is, like, she just admitted it. Like, right. I thought that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's just yep. basically, like, yep, yep. Yeah, and then uh, you, and you have savior. You have Brenda basically calling Christine a prostitute, which is a perfect comeback to the Richard Gere line. So, yeah, yeah uh, this is a this is a really good scene here. Yeah. Again, I, I like the dynamics of these different characters hanging out together, um, especially like a a Dylan Steve combo. I, I've talked about that before. How I, I'm never sure, like what those two even really think of each other because they get right. so few one-on-one interactions and this isn't even really one of them but it's they are the guys in the group and they're like i guess in charge of dinner preparations which i'm really wondering what that would have looked like but (laughs) anyway sadly we don't see the payoff there um but uh awfully bold of of um really both christine and brenda and and their little Mm -hmm. you know side convo First, Christine making her intentions very clear to someone who, I mean, she has to assume is a friend of Steve's, like, and is going to care about him to some extent. So uh, it's it's odd that she didn't try to deflect more, maybe, just to right. kind of cover, especially, again, like Matt said, with the the looks that Brenda is shooting her, just the daggers. Well, um, I, think, I think Christine thinks that Steve's in on it. The way she says it, she's like, we use each other. So I think she almost, she's almost aloof. Like, I don't think in her mind she's pulling one over on Steve. Like, it's not a con. I think she thinks Steve is Richard Gere. Like, in Pretty Woman, right? Mm -hmm. He he knows he's... He's truly happy just Like, he doesn't give a shit. Like, I think she looks, I think she thinks Steve is the same. Like, I think she believes that he knows she's basically a prostitute at this point and doesn't give a fuck. Like, he just wants to spend time with her. And have her by his side, and as a result, she gets paid basically in all these different yeah. gifts. And there's a price that they're for both that, happy yeah. with the uh, they're both happy with the situation. So I don't. That's why I don't think she reacts to it because I think she's like, whatever, we're fine, we're happy. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's even realizing that Steve is just a kid who's like, you know, clueless. It's just Brenda clearly has a problem with it, and for Brenda to um. 
kind of confront her uh, the way that she does. I, you know, I think this is one of the reasons why the Brenda character has so many, so many fans to this day is she does things. She's willing to confront people mm-hmm. and call them out on their shit. And she's very mm-hmm. bold about it in ways that I think a lot of people in real life are not. And right. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who are fans of the character sort of wish they were more like, you know, it's just, it's not just that she's an, an assertive person. Like she will flat out call somebody, you know, in this case, um, basically a prostitute. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's like, holy shit, she really went there. And, um, you know, it's just, again, we don't see a lot of Brenda in this episode and the little bit we do see is she's, um, <laughs> she's giving it to this, <laughs> this new girlfriend of Steve's and it's like, God damn. <laughs> wow, well, she's kind of doing what Kelly wouldn't like Kelly. Yeah. yeah right. Steve, her thoughts, but she hasn't did it to Christine. Whereas Brenda, yeah, you, you could see this being a Kelly scene only because of the baggage and the history between Kelly and Steve, but for Brett, for all this to come from Brenda is like, wow, really? Um, but you know, as we've gotten to know this character and as we will continue to get to know her, that's just Brenda. She doesn't give a shit. All right. Uh, we go to Rose's house. Andre's talking to her mom. <laughs> what a petty bitch, Rose. She starts vacuuming loudly right around the phone. <laughs> Andrea finally calls it out and says, like, why are you taking your hate of my mom out on me? And Andrea says it's because she's not Jewish, right? And Rose says, no, I don't care about that. Your mom has no respect for me uh, and basically wants to change the subject. But Andrea says she doesn't want to be in the middle, so she leaves. Andrea starts to pack, and Rose is shook. She's upset, you know, that Andrea's so upset that she'd risk this. This is investigation day. And uh, Andrea breaks down and basically says, do whatever the hell you want. I don't care if being honest and blowing my spot up will get my grandma back. I'll take it. And Andrea storms off. She's like, I'm coming back after school to get the rest of my shit. And about Rose cries as we uh, go to break. We then go to the blaze. Andrea, on a very rudimentary computer system, is writing up a resignation letter. Uh, She says, basically, Grandma Rose is Grandma Rose. She's going to blow me up. Brandon offers to help. He even says, maybe I could talk to my parents. You can come live at the Walsh house. Andrea is touched, but says that's not the answer. It's not fair to the Walshes to become her guardians. Andrea takes it as a challenge. You know, she says, look, fine. I'll go to this other school and I'll still excel. She says she felt part of the gang. Everyone looked at her. Then more just then more of just a geek on the wrong side of the tracks. And she knows about them, too, that they're more than just money. There's more to them. Uh, and just meeting them and being friends with them was worth all this steve comes into the office he asks brandon to talk uh he tells brandon about last night he says you know brenda kind of let us have it but when i got home i couldn't stop thinking about what she said and it finally clicked (laughs) welcome to the party steve that christine is obsessed (laughs) with my money uh brandon kind of helps him talk about it steve says he missed having a steady girlfriend but he just wants to be liked for who he is it's not you know about his money and if i was broke i want someone who would stand by me and Brandon says, well, is that Christine? And he says, we're going to find out. So Steve has a ruse cooking. We go to the jewelry store, as promised. 
Steve has Christine guess what he picked out for her, so she's kind of bopping around. She goes, oh, not an engagement ring yet, but soon. Basically is what she says. Uh, she's looking at all the options, but Steve says, yep, you know what? I actually already bought and paid for your gift, uh, and it's a gift from me. And she gives it to the box. She opens it up, and it's just a very simple little bracelet with a little charm on it. And she clearly hates it and says, no, no, I like it, but it's not special. And Steve says, well, it came from me. So it should be special. Maybe someone else someday will think it is. And Christine says, I was just being honest. And Steve basically says, yeah, that's the fucking problem. And <laughs> he uh, he does a good job walking her into admitting that she knew he was Samantha's son. Um, he's like, you know, I know you knew that who I was. And she's like, how did you know? And he's like, well, I didn't until now. Um, and then basically dumps her <laughs> and uh, walks out of the jewelry store. So, uh, Tim, what'd you think of the, the big gotcha here? Yeah, to your point, it, it definitely does seem like, again, Steve should have already known this shouldn't have really needed the aha moment where he, he, after he blows up at Brenda, he takes some time to actually think about it and comes to the conclusion. She is really materialistic. I, I like your sort of rewrite of this where he, he knew it and maybe, Maybe the confrontation that that Christine has with Brenda's is what prompts him to maybe stick up for himself. But, you know, the fact that we we have to go through this whole, oh, no, she really doesn't like me for me. She just likes me for my money. And now I'm going to expose her. It it feels very, you know, kind of sitcom-y. Right. Um, it, I mean, it, this is an entertaining scene, but it's like, eh, I don't know that we really needed to do all that. Right. Um, and I also enjoy the line. Well, uh, it's, it's not special as if to say, eh, yeah, it's from you, but it's not special. Get right. <laughs> Which you know what I really mean. Um, I'll have to use it's garbage, one day when basically I, when I get a <laughs> shitty gift, I'll have to say, well, thanks, but it's not special. Right. Um, <laughs> so I have to remember that one for sure. Um, <laughs> But yeah, and the stuff with uh, Grandma Rose being so petty, vacuuming, uh, and it's like we never, we still never really get to the root of her her issue with Andrea's mother. Which I mean, I guess we have enough information now to know that this is not her actual daughter. This is, I guess, her it's her daughter-in-law. Daughter-in-law. Yeah. Um, no real mention of the dad. Um, well, I, mean, I don't. I does, think... Is Andrea's? I take it that Andrea's dad is gone because. She even says after, like, me and my mom, or, like, the way she yeah. says it, like, it's no mention of her dad. So I kind of take it, like, either he passed away or he's not in the picture. I'm not sure, but. I think this was maybe a kind of a stealth retcon because I want to say it was in the uh, the spring dance episode, going back to first season, where she was going to spend the night alone, right, at home. Right. And she said something about how her dad would have his poker buddies over and they would all, you know, start smoking cigars and that ran her. She kind of made a joke about how lousy a night at home was because of her parents. And I remember her mentioning a dad and him hmm. smoking up the joint or something like that. But again, we've never seen these people. So right. I guess anything's kind of fair game still. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, like we don't know exactly what the problem is. It's it's uh, she just says she doesn't 
uh, your mother doesn't respect me, which can mean all sorts of things. But it just really sucks that, I mean, it, it's not even like Andre's trying to take sides here. She's she's just trying to be pragmatic. Right. And Grandma Rose can't even tolerate, what, seeing a, a framed photo of Andre and her mother? Like, of course she's going to, you know, have this relationship with her mom. As as Andre said, your fight with, with my mother is not mine. Um, so at this point... Um, uh, Grandma Rose is being a little extra. Yeah, Holocaust or not. I I realize that's a bold (laughs) thing to say, Holocaust or not. Um, I'll grant you that, but this has very little to do with the Holocaust, madam. So, sorry. Yeah, she's definitely laying it on thick. Like, you're going to do petty shit, like, uh, turn on the vacuum. Like, what are you doing? Don't do that, for God's <laughs> sake. Even, even let the girl talk to her mom, come on. Right, like, that. that's just petty beyond belief. Uh, <laughs> the scene where uh, uh, Steve breaks up with her, uh, uh, with Christine, that is an awful lot of work to go through uh, for something your friends, uh, the vast majority of your friends were telling you. <laughs> and yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> It's it's definitely a lot, but look, at least he did it because uh, Christine did absolutely suck, uh, as seen uh, numerous times throughout this episode. So uh, good on him uh, for being able to figure out what we all knew, that she is, in fact, uh, a gold digger. At least he was able to put two and two together. Yeah, I think he just had to see it for his own eyes, I guess. Yeah. But, it's not yeah. special. At least he figured it out. Right. And for once, it's growth for C because... You know, he was mad at Kelly and Brenda, but he didn't go scorched earth like old Steve, like a season ago would have been real nasty to the two of them. You know, what I mean, like he think of the, in the past when he kind of gets, you know, in the corner mm-hmm. and ups, upset, yeah. like he would like really lash out and say some nasty shit. Uh, I feel like this time he just kind of was like, all right, like, leave it alone. Leave me alone kind of thing. I'm happy. Why are you jealous? Versus yeah, yeah. in the past, you would have taken a shot at Kelly's mom or her being a slut. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like he's at least like grown a little bit now where he's not, doesn't resort to just like getting defensive and being like a real dick, you know? Right. Which helps keep his sympathy in this episode because he really, it might be one of the more sympathetic times we've had with him for sure. So, um, all right, we go back to the peach pit. Steve's bumming. He asked Brandon if he can get off of work, but he says, I'm already only working a couple hours. They have to go help Andre move back home. This poor guy. This guy's <laughs> move all over the fucking valley. Uh, Steve talks to Andre at the jukebox. He spills the story and basically says, like, do you like me, Andrea? And she says, yes. And he says, why? And Andrea says, because under your rude exterior is just a little boy who wants to have fun. <laughs> and you're kind of cute. And Steve likes it. And he admits it. He goes, I'm rude, and I want to fix it. I'm trying to fix it. And I think of all the stupid things I've said to people, and I wonder why people even talk to me anymore. And he apologizes for his comment about the Valley to Andrea. And Steve says, look, you can't leave. We need you here. You're an inspiration. And there's not many women that you can say you can enjoy looking at and looking up to. <laughs> Jesus, God. <laughs> what a line. What a line. Wow. Um, <laughs> He kind of peacocks a bit. He goes, oh, so you think I'm cute? Do you think I'm sexy? And Andrea just bursts out laughing uh, at that absurd line. Brandon comes over. He says, I'm happy to see you smiling. And Brandon says, you can't leave your friends. So we go over to Grandma Rose's house. Rose is with the investigator, uh, Mrs. Roberts. 
Roberts is leaving. He says, I'll be back in three weeks for my follow-up. And Andre goes, oh, you're leaving? What follow-up? And Mr. Roberts kind of gives her a look and says, I'm going to give you a very favorable favorable report. And tells Andrea, just hang out. Make sure you stay on this side of the hill. Andrea hugs Grandma Rose. Rose says Andrea deserves this, deserves, uh, you know, being able to have this experience. And she's happy to have Andrea live with her. Andrea says, Rose, if I'm going to live here, you need to make up with my mom. Or I guess she says she does say my parents. So maybe her dad is in the picture. I don't know. Because she does say we're going to have a family talk tonight. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Andrea calls. Uh, to me, a big revelation here is that Andrea's mom is named Beverly. Like, we're West Beverly, Beverly Hills. Like, do we really need another Beverly? Like, <laughs> right. There's a million friggin' yeah. names. Give me Carol, Karen, Deborah, <laughs> like anything. There's going to be something else. Why do we need another Beverly? Oh, Bev um, from Beverly. It rolls right off the tongue. Her name is Beverly Valley. <laughs> what do we yeah. do? Like, Beverly Hill. Like, like, come on. I was like, come on. That cannot be. <laughs> um, I had a lot of thought put into that one. So I'm going to hit the last scene quick, but then I, I have a question about that scene for you guys. Uh, we go to the peach pit. Matt gives the crew a celebratory cake that he says he whipped up. I guess. I don't know. Brandon kind of says that he's the one that made it. I couldn't really follow the joke on that one. Um, they're all smiles. Uh, Andrea's staying at West Bev. Uh, they're hyping her up, talking about what a great friend she is. Um, and it's a big moment for Andrea because it wasn't that long ago that she was the outcast of the sleepover, right? So, like, we've kind of come a long way where she's in the group. She's one of the gang. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see Steve is sulking at the counter, so Kelly goes to talk to him. Steve says he's sorry for not listening. He wants to give her the bracelet. And Kelly's like, no, you bought that for another girl. Um, which Steve kind of takes. But I think I would have pushed back on that. I would have said, no, I bought it so she would out herself. But I wanted to really get it to someone I care about. Like, I think he could have played it mm. off better. He just is mm. like, okay. Puts it back it's in really his meant for you. Yeah. Right. right. Um, so she says, but we can go see a movie if you want. And they kind of debate genres, and they leave together arm in arm. And the gang is kind of all like, oh, <laughs> like, if we go back <laughs> to Stephen Kelly, you know, is this a thing now? Maybe Kelly saw that he was changed and willing to kind of be a doting, kind boyfriend, you know? So we'll mm. see. Uh, all right, so, Tim, I want your thoughts on all these scenes. But I'm also curious, do you think Grandma Rose told the truth to Mrs. Roberts and that Mrs. Roberts was sensitive and gave in, or do you think Grandma Rose lied? Because they they say after that, Rose Rose uh-huh. kind of said, I lied, so you because you deserve this. But the way Mrs. Roberts talks with that line about stay on this side of the hill, mm-hmm. yeah, felt yeah. to me like Rose told her the truth and was basically like, listen, she can't go to that school. She's gonna live here. She really lives there. But we changed like. I felt like Rose was honest with her, which would stay true to her character. And that Roberts is just a sympathetic person. It was like, yeah, okay, like I'm not going to blow the spot up. Just, just don't get caught going back over there. You know, like stay here as much as you can. I don't know. So what'd you think? Yeah. I I sort of think, um, I think you're right. They do leave it ambiguous for sure. But when you look at kind of logically how this would have worked, um, between Grandma Rose and her principles and how, you know, she's not going to lie when directly asked. And what is this but a direct interview? Um, and the fact that um, she kind of thinks, based on Andrea's reaction, the way she stormed out of there, that what's done is done. Um, 
yeah, I think she did tell this lady the truth, but at the same time was like, look, um, it's really important that my granddaughter not get expelled from school. Look at her, mm-hmm. you know, look at her, her transcripts, look at her, her accomplishments. Um, you know, if, if you have any, if you can find it within yourself to, you know, give us the benefit of the doubt here that, okay, she wasn't living here before, but now she really is. And we're going to keep it that way and just kind of overlook the past. Um, yeah, I, I think she did tell the truth, but at the same time advocated as much as possible for right. Andrea. So, yeah. And that was, that was that, uh, that lady's way of telling Andrea, you know, I'm doing you a solid here. So right. when I follow up in three weeks, which by the way, is is kind of her way of saying you'll have a surprise visit in exactly three weeks from right. today, right? right? Better be here. Better be mm-hmm. home. You know, looking like you're at better home. stay put. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's what happened here. She just got real, real. Because think about it. If if Grandma Rose had lied and made up this whole elaborate story, oh, she's been living here for the past four years because of right, trouble right. at home, and mm-hmm. you know, I know it doesn't look like. Uh, we have a lot of space, but blah, blah, blah. She would have to get into specifics, right? right? And for Andrea to then show up in the middle of this interview, oh, Andrea, you're here. Grandma Rose has been telling me all about blah, blah, blah. What's your take on the situation? They don't have their story straight, you know? They they haven't. It's not like they sat down and worked out what are we going to say. They were not on the same page at all. So Andrea very well could have blown her own spot up. Um, you know, had she been questioned or just assumed that mm-hmm. Grandma Rose made up a story. So, um, yeah, I kind of think she um, she told the truth. And Andrea, you know, was clued into that, smartened up very quickly and uh, did not say a word because, of course, she's not an idiot. But, uh, yeah. That's my take on that. Um, nice little scene at the end here with the whole gang. Um, I guess the joke is supposed to be that Nat can't bake. Um, I guess. Which, <laughs> you know, what? it's just a birthday cake. Big deal, right? right. <laughs> or a, a, a going away. Like, it's, I don't know. It's not like it's this tremendous culinary accomplishment that we think is so far beyond Nat's skills, but the dude's yeah, owned a, a fucking like oldies <laughs> right? themed diner right. for how long? Like, I mean, right. they should be able to bake a goddamn cake. <laughs> like, if, I think you can <laughs> follow a sheet cake. Yeah, the yeah. Directions, but anyway, um, I also really enjoyed um, the interaction between Andrea and Steve. Not only because I like those two characters and the and the limited time they do get together. Like they had that makeout scene in the first season, mm-hmm. right? Which we sort of hoped, but didn't go anywhere. Um, and also, it, from a, just a plotting standpoint, it's always nice when, at least I think it's nice, when the two sort of A and B storylines that seem very unrelated end up converging at the end. Right. So a nice little writerly thing to do, I guess. Um, so I like how they, they just put a bow on that whole situation. And uh, clearly... Um, Andre is part of the gang and she ain't going nowhere. So a solid one and done here, um, really for mainly Andrea, but also Steve. 
And now where are things going with Stephen Kelly? Hmm. We've got some, some more intrigue to follow here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause it really just felt like that Kelly scene with Steve. Kelly was a very minor presence throughout this episode. Now all of a sudden they're having this little, this little chit chat. And it's like, Oh, are we going somewhere with this now? So they really keep doing a nice job of keeping these, all these relationship plates mm-hmm. spinning. Mm-hmm. Uh, are, Matt, are you as invested in all this melodrama as I am? <laughs> uh, I'm with you guys. I, I definitely think uh, Grandma uh, Rose told the truth because, like, why else would Pat Roberts say that? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Pat I'll be Roberts, back in. Yes. I'll be back in three weeks, and you better be here. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Because if you're not, there's going to be problems. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I think uh, that is for sure what happened. Uh, I like that uh, <laughs> the grandmother and uh, her parents finally start talking. I thought that was mm-hmm. a nice bow on that whole story. I feel like that kind of had to be done at the end of this episode. So right. yeah. I thought that was really well done. Uh, Steve giving her the bracelet is a choice. I mean, I guess he he tried to get away with it, but she's like, yeah, no, I, I, I don't I don't want that. that. That's not for me. I don't need that. But it obviously uh, didn't hurt the that uh, the relationship between the two of them that much because they are presumably uh, at the very least back as friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I think there's a, a a chance that it turns into more than that, giving this given the history. So uh, we'll see where that goes. Uh, they did mention that uh, going to the movie would be Dutch. So they, they'd be uh, mm-hmm. paying yes. for yep. themselves. So I thought that was a nice touch, but uh, yeah, we'll have to see uh, where that ends up. And if uh, in fact, they will be back together. All right, so that wraps up the episode. Let's get into our awards here. Uh, best scene for me was right at the end. I thought it was Steve and Andrea talking at the jukebox uh, with them kind of both just helping each other through a tough day. That's <laughs> pretty much how it went. And by the end, they're both kind of laughing and showing affection. I, th- I thought it was a really well done scene, and I liked it. Uh, same for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to totally agree on that. I also think we're... Andrea, where he really cracked her up. Um, I think that was um, not ad lib necessarily, but maybe he did something unscripted and and got a legitimate laugh out of her because it was just very, it felt like, you know, Gabrielle Carteris cracking up Mm -hmm. there as opposed to. Yeah, it was, it was a hearty laugh for sure. It was Mm -hmm. very, a very hearty laugh. Yeah. Uh, a, a sentence I didn't think I'd utter uh, when I uh, agreed to be a guest on this show. I'll take the Holocaust scene. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. That was something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Most important scene. I just went with. I guess it's the one with Andre and Grandma Rose, or the one of the Peach Pit, whatever one you want to go with. But basically, the idea that Andre can stay at West Beverly and doesn't have to leave. Mm-hmm. Yep. Same. For me, I I went the um, the extended um, welcome back, I guess, scene at the Peach Pit. Mm-hmm. Um, per- particularly, they single out, um, or at least Andrea singles out Kelly for being so helpful in kind of her, you know, the grandma makeover with her house. Um, and they like actually have a hug, right? And I mean, she's. She's um, extremely grateful towards everyone, but she sort of the way that she sort of singles out Kelly. Um, I only th- I only think is important because when you 
get later into this series, um, they're going to have a very strong friendship in a way that Andrea really doesn't have with any of the other women. Like Brenda, I mean, we can go down the list. Brenda, mm-hmm. fuck, she, they were romantic rivals for a guy who was perving for his students. <laughs> yeah. Uh, leading to Brenda slapping Andrea in the face. So hard to recover from that. Um, Andrea and Donna had a certain closeness over a particular thing that they sort of then ended up having a a little bit of a falling out over. Um, I mean, they get back on track, but like she's never really had any drama with Kelly and she to my knowledge, never really will. And it's Kelly who's really going to be there for, for mm-hmm. Andre in a big way um, later on in the series. Like a couple, really a couple seasons from now, later on, um, in a way that just the, the other women are not. Like, I always think of Andre as having much closer ties to the men of this show than the women, with the exception of Kelly. And so I don't know. Maybe that's me making too much of a, a very minor moment here, but I thought that stood out as important in terms of the yep. foreshadowing, I guess. All right, most 90s look. I mean, there's always so many. I don't know. I went with yeah. the shirt that Steve has on at the beginning at the Peach Pit. It's like it's got like cars on it. I don't even know how to describe it. It's it's like a little boy shirt. Like it's it's got trucks and cars. It's like a what down. I don't I don't even know. It was like a kid's playmat. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, Steve's kind of the runaway for this category. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt, I think you called it out the, uh, 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 I guess, business casual Satan. Uh, or <laughs> Satan on his day off, whatever. That red Beals, thing. Beelzebub chic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, the the shirt that looks like it's just a crazy tie. Um, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it, it, Steve's got a whole lot of... Uh, yeah. I mean, he goes through a lot of outfit changes, for one thing, because this episode takes place over the course of like a week or two, right? So, right, it's uh, you get a lot of variety of looks here, and they're um, they're all very loud in Steve's case. Yeah, I I I couldn't decide which Steve look, so I just went with Steve in general. But I I do need to mention, I feel like uh, Andrea in, also uh, was up there with uh, uh, her varying uh, choices in denim. I feel like mm-hmm. she was wearing a lot of yeah. denim, uh, the overalls, the tight fit jeans, all that stuff. But uh, yeah, for for me, it's definitely uh, one of the eighty five things that Steve wore <laughs> on this episode. All right, most 90s moment, uh, we, we kind of got into it at the beginning of the episode, but I just want the concept of having to lie about school districts. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like nowadays it'd be a lot harder with everything kind of being online and you kind of mm-hmm. have to attest to things a little bit more. Uh, back then, it was probably a little bit easier just to kind of throw the address on a forum. And, um, you know, in the world of social media and GPS and all kinds of tracking, I, I would assume it's a little bit harder now to have a fake address. Yeah, that's a good one. I had that. And also just um, waiting in line for an R.E.M. concert. Yeah. Uh, just uh, that's it doesn't get much more 1991 than that to me. Yeah, I, I definitely went with uh, R.E.M. Uh, but another one I had was uh, Drea writing her uh, resignation letter on that old ass computer. <laughs> yes. Ooh, the old ass. <laughs> compu- yeah, with the green font. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right, best lesson learned. Um, it's kind of three in one for me. It's it's good if you're rich. 
if you're dating somebody <laughs> rich, don't be greedy. Just enjoy the ride. And don't be blind to a gold digger. If you are rich, be a little mm. bit more aware of your surroundings. Um, yep, uh, those are all good. Um, I, I realized I wrote down um, under the wrong uh, category, so I should have written this up in the, in the overall just show notes. But I, for some reason, I wrote it down in the lesson learned category. Um, Christine sucks. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I'm just going to leave it because lesson learned <laughs> Christine sucks. Lesson learned. Um, I think I'll also add like, it's okay to tell a little white lie or even maybe a bigger lie to serve the greater good. Mm-hmm. It just, whether you're, <laughs> I'm not going to say this, <laughs> whether you're fleeing <laughs> Oh, trying boy. to survive mm-hmm. the Holocaust or <laughs> trying to um, better yourself in a, in a um, uh, much more promising academic environment. Um, you know, just do what you have to do. It's okay. You're not hurting anyone. Uh, Especially yeah. if it's a matter of self-preservation. <laughs> my, my, lesson, my lesson learned was also uh, lying works, question mark. <laughs> But uh, I, I will also add, uh, don't bring up the Holocaust to your grandmother. Mm-hmm. That lived yeah. it. Yes. That lived it. Yes. That lived it, yes. <laughs> that seems like you a bad Don't introduce idea. that into um, otherwise <laughs> nonchalant conversations. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, best hookup. I mean, Steve and Christine is really the only relationship, but she sucks. So I went Steve and Andrea at the end to me. <laughs> it felt like more of a relationship. Just served it. Wow. Okay. Um, I, I guess Steve and Christine is mine, but sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm feel like I'm definitely shipping Steve and Andrea if we can do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I went with Steve and Christine because it was really the only one, but I'm on board with Steve and Andrea. All right, best quotes. Um, clean living, Dave. I loved. Uh, that's a great mm-hmm. line. And then way to go, Bren. The Steve's delivery, it's like it's a, it's such a go-to line for everybody that's <laughs> aggravated with Brenda. Like anytime that anything happens that they find to be egregious where she's even even near the vicinity of. Way to go, Bren. Like I I'm pretty sure like Brandon has said it, Dylan has said it, Kelly has said it, Steve has said it. Like they made a montage it. of it. They've all said way to go, Bren, at some point. Yeah. Take a shot whenever someone says wait, Cobra. Someone has to have made that, like a power hour tape of just all mm-hmm. the times that's happened. Um, or even if it's used out of context, like there's, there's just, she's not even in the scene. And somebody right, just, way, yeah, to, way go. to go, Bren. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I also liked uh, David's callback, uh, leaving the REM concert, telling Steve, clean living. Yes. Giving yeah, it right back yeah. to him. So good use of David there. Uh, and uh, Matt, you already said it, but uh, Andrea calling everyone else, calling everyone out. You people don't know how good you have it, do you? <laughs> Always like a good you people um, in a non-racial context. Right, of course. Please <laughs> clarify that for God's sake. Uh, and, <laughs> I got uh, a couple. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. And uh, as as Andrea is writing on is typing on the uh, the old ass computer, um, talking about how she's she's just sort of preemptively resigning because she knows it's going to happen anyway. She's going to have to, and so she's trying to avoid this huge scandal. Um, this is not not like a great line. It's just one that has always stuck with me because 
it stands out as something that no 16-year-old, 17-year-old would ever say, except, like, on this show. And it's Brandon shooting back at her, Andrea, come on, you're so fatalistic. (laughs) (laughs) All right. SAT word there, very good. That's a $10 Tim Capel word there, if I've ever heard one. I think that's maybe where I heard that word for the first... (laughs) Again, I'm learning things from this show, like quadriplegic and paraplegic. Right, yeah. Now we're fatalistic. Um... (laughs) I think I give it up, though, for Steve uh, with his, you can't go back there. We need you here. You're our inspiration. That's just Steve in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. So just a couple other ones I had. Uh, Slightly involved, that's like being a little bit pregnant. There's no such thing. Yes. (laughs) Grandmother said to Drea. Uh, At one point, Steve said, uh, the limo was cinematic, which popped me huge because it's such a dumb line. And uh, Kelly, uh, pre-makeover uh, montage, says, uh, my middle name is Makeover. So. <laughs> Kelly Makeover <Yeah>. Taylor. <laughs> All right. Final grade. This is a good episode. It's it's not a great one. I mean, we we cleaned up a lot of Andre's backstory, so that's good. Like, that that was tidy. But this is one where really you could have nixed and not really mattered. Um, I guess outside of the end with Kelly and Steve maybe reuniting. But beyond that, like nothing really happens in this that's super pertinent to the universe. But that said, it was still well done. There was some good drama, some good lines. The acting was fine. So I ended up going like six and a half. Like it's right below the threshold of like a good, important upper tier episode. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was thinking, too. It's it's a decent just upper mid tier episode of the show. Um, Some important background for Andrea, but. Again, at the same time, you could skip it and not miss a whole lot. Uh, so, I six and a half sounds exactly where I'm going to land as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I went seven on it. I, I enjoyed watching this a lot. And, I mean, nothing really important happened, but I, I did just uh, really enjoy watching it. So, I'll give it a bit of a bump for that. I'll go seven on it. All right, let's quickly get to our trackers, and we will get out of here. Uh, for characters, we had a handful of debuts here. We had Christine. We had Grandma Rose. We had the Golden Girls. We had uh, Cliff Kramer, <laughs> who was the PR guy, and then Mrs. Roberts. Cliff Kramer, yeah. Anyone I missed in there? Don't I think so. Uh, uh, I mean, you didn't see REM, but they mentioned it enough where. <laughs> right. <laughs> they did mention it. Well, I'm wondering if there uh, was a scene where we actually saw them at the concert that mm, got caught. Hanging out with something. David? Maybe so. Could be. All right. Uh, relationships. We had Steve and Christine, Andrea and Grandma Rose, Steve and Kelly, and Steve and Andrea. I think that covered all the relationships in this one. Yep, I believe so. Uh, places and things. We had Grandma Rose's house. We had the Fox Theater. And the jewelry store, anything. It's kind of all the big stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. Character ranking. Uh, so, actually, let's look at the songs real quick. Uh, okay. Radio song by R.E.M. is playing when Steve meets Christine. Uh, Build Me Up Buttercup by the Foundations is when uh, Steve and Christine are having their anniversary. Shiny Happy People by R.E.M. when Christine and Steve... It just says Christine and Steve leave. I'm guessing that means Brenda's, maybe? Brenda's house? Uh, hmm. 
Yeah, either, I guess that, so. either, either that or they left while the REM concert was still going. <laughs> or maybe, well, maybe. The limo yeah. and it was like yeah. playing it over just to remind us. Hey, there's a lot there's of REM. REM. There's another yeah, one. This is a loaded REM. Too episode. much, in fact. Losing My Religion by REM playing at the jukebox with Steve and Andrea talking. Which is yeah, interesting. That's, been that's used. already been like a big song. Yeah. Mm, that's like the anthem of the show at this point. Uh, over and over by Bobby Day when it says the guys make Andrea a cake. So maybe that was I wonder if that was cut. <laughs> maybe oh. that was a joke. Oh like, yeah, man, did we miss a so. cake montage? Damn I mean, it. Must have, maybe it was the, all the guys were making the cake, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I gotta find the I gotta find the T V rip of this episode. Alright, figure it out. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll turn to Stone by the four tops. Apparently it was in the episode somewhere. Um Yeah, and then over and over. So it doesn't uh, doesn't listen to anything for the montage, so I don't know. I don't know if the '40s song was <laughs> that true, dreadful song. Oh boy, <laughs> I'll yeah, figure man. it out. I'll figure yeah. it out. Might have to go back through BH and uh, to an restored Instagram account, maybe Tim, and try and dig some of this up. But yeah, yeah. All right, a lot of zeros for this episode uh, due to characters not being around. So Mel, Jackie, Henry, Scott, Cindy, Iris, and Jim all get zeros. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. Big ding for Jim and Cindy, who are up near the top. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Emily Valentine, I have as the next. She's going to get eight points for her one scene, make it out brand. <laughs> for her, yes, she's seen <laughs> in the margins where she <laughs> potentially is getting cut off if your TV right. cannot accommodate. The, uh, gonna, if you have a CRT, if you have a CRT, you didn't see it. <laughs> You're not going to. But she yeah. gets eight points. For the <laughs> uh, Nat, I had next with nine points. Uh, I figured he yep. had a couple more lines than Emily. All right. So then I would I think some combo of probably David and Donna and yeah. Dylan. I think I'd go next. Mm-hmm. I think I'd go Donna only because she literally. I mean, David at least has the one liner and gets the the REM autographs yeah. and gets to show ups, which I know uh, Matt is a negative in, in your estimation. <laughs> I but, mean, uh, look, look, it's in funny. 1991, that's a big get. I right? understand. So. <laughs> he gets to show off Steve a little bit. So would you have Dylan above David? Or David above Dylan? Yeah, what does Dylan really do, right? Yeah. I think David did more than Dylan. That's fine. That's mm-hmm. good. Yeah, David could use the boost. Because he at least had the, the living clean. Right. Mm-hmm. Which was good. All right. So then that leaves us with, what, Brenda, Brandon, Steve, Andrea, Kelly. Kelly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Brenda next. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I think Brenda did more than Kelly. I think Kelly's next because she almost was a non-factor until right the very end. Yep. All right, so go Kelly with thirteen. Yeah. Um. Then I guess Brian, did Brandon do less than Brenda right. in the end? Um. Uh, I don't know because Brandon kind of kickstarted the whole thing in motion. He did, and he uh, he refused to give up his dune buggy plans with Dylan. <laughs> Brenda <laughs> did have that. But Brenda kind of had like the key scene. I feel like she she has the big scene. Yeah, I yeah I'd go Brandon then Brenda. I, I think Brenda was more important in the end. I do too. Yeah. So as much as we said Brenda's barely in this episode, look at her climbing. Well, that just that one scene really. I know. Yeah. That kind of did it. Yeah. All right. So then we got Steve and Andrea 
I think that's it. Yeah. Me. Yep. You think Steve then Andrea? Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Matt. I like Andrea at the top for this one. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think you have to have Andrea at the top. Okay. All right. So for this episode, we get the bottom feeder zeros. Mel, Jackie, Henry, Scott, Cindy, Iris, Jim. Uh, then we get Emily Valentine with eight, Nabasuchio with nine, Donna Martin at ten, Dylan McKay with eleven points, <laughs> the least earned eleven points ever. Uh, David <laughs> Silver with twelve points, Kelly Taylor with thirteen, Brandon with fourteen, Brenda with fifteen, Steve, and then Andrea at the top. Um, Tim, tell us what's going on in the world of our podcasts across the board while I tally up our final numbers. Uh, I'm going to do that, but uh, I'm going to first share a nice little comment that I got on the show uh, on Twitter, of all places. So um, this was not even in my DMs or anything. It was just someone who responded to my Twitter and and left a a very – just made my day kind of thing. And um, this is from – and again, since it's public, I mean, I'll just tell you from the user at – Dimitri underscore H um, says, uh, I am such a huge fan of your 90210 podcast. You guys do an amazing job. Just recently started listening to it. Uh, Been a fan of the show since the early 90s. You guys are super funny, interesting, and insightful. Great analysis. Thank you so much for the content. I mean, and this was back in January, so... I apologize. It's it's taking a while for you to hear this shout out. It's just that's how we record the show. Um, but I did want to make a point to uh, just draw attention to this this uh, very warm response that I got um, on our next opportunity, which happened to be uh, this recording. So um, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank Dimitri, you, Dimitri. That was awesome. Yeah. If that is, in fact, your name. Um, and we had a little exchange from there, too. So. Um, I'm not just responding here on the show. We we went back and forth a little bit, and uh, hopefully by now you're you're caught up um, to where we are in the podcast and on the show. Hope, hopefully you're still enjoying it as as much as you say you are. Um, beyond that, uh, and you can find me by the way on Twitter at psych six eight c y k e six eight. If you would like to talk about this show. Um, again, you don't have to hit the DMs, just however you want to get in touch with me. Um, I I tend to be an open book there. Uh, I would like you to subscribe to this podcast if you do enjoy it, if you're hearing it for the first time, or if you listen, haven't subscribed, that's great. Um, leave us a review on, on iTunes as well, if you can, that's a nice way of, of just boosting our standing there. Uh, non-monetary way of supporting the show if you are a fan um by all means you can get in touch as well uh through email we are 9021noso at gmail.com so lots of ways to get in touch and engage with us uh and we are of course a i say we're a spinoff of the north south connection podcast network that is where we started uh but it's just a, a bevy of great and cool pop culture content and personalities. So if you like what we do here, uh, check out the North South connection, subscribe to that today. And you'll also find a lot of great video content for the North South connection. So if you uh, prefer YouTube, uh, hop on YouTube. If you don't want to sit there and listen to a podcast all day, you'll see these uh, in video form. So just look up North South connect, the North South connection on YouTube as well. 
and uh, watch along as opposed to listening along. Uh, Maddie, I'm going to turn it over to you because I know that you are quite the prolific podcaster as well, and you may have some material that you would like to promote, my friend. Prolific, my goodness. Well, uh, uh, speaking of you, you're so you fatalistic, can... Matt. <laughs> how dare, how dare you? Uh, <laughs> you can find me on uh, YouTube Roulette on the Place to Be Nation Wrestling feed, where we uh, we watch random matches on YouTube. So uh, that is a blast to do. Uh, also on that very same feed, you can find me on Highway to the Impact Zone, where we uh, watch uh, TNA Wrestling, which is both a blessing and a curse. But uh, that show is a ton of fun to uh, listen to and do. So uh, definitely check that out. And on the aforementioned North-South Connection, you can find myself on the Extreme Three-Way Dance, where we are covering the world of ECW. You can find me currently on Seven Months of Danger, where we are covering the Dangerous Alliance era of WCW. And uh, the most recent edition is GC Dub, colon, a game-changing podcast, where myself and Jennifer Smith uh, cover the world of game-changer wrestling. So uh, give all that stuff a listen or a watch and you can find me on twitter at msusa 1991 all right this process is getting nearly untenable but i think i've pulled it off uh so here's our character season two (laughs) rankings only season two in last place is mel silver with 12 scott scanlon with 13 iris mckay with 16 jackie taylor with 18 emily valentine at 35 napasuccio 41 henry thomas at 47 Donna Martin at 94, David Silver at 98, Andre Zuckerman at 104, Kelly Taylor 105, Cindy Walsh 106, Jim Walsh 112, Steve Sanders 113. So we got a really uh, sort of log jam there in the middle. Mm-hmm. We jump up to Dylan at 143, Brenda Walsh at 152, and Brandon Walsh still in control at 163. Here are all time, all 34 or whatever episodes we've done so far. Mel Silver at 12 points, Iris at 16, Jackie at 31, Emily at 33, Henry at 47. Scott Scanlon kind of hanging out by himself in the middle, 77, Napasuccio at 91. We jump way up to Donna Mart at 175, she's still in her own little universe. David Silver at 225, Andrea Zuckerman at 247, Jim Walsh at 270, Cindy Walsh at 273. Passing them, this episode is Kelly Taylor up to 274, Steve Sanders is in fourth place all time at 294 dylan mckay above him at 302 and then we go way up to our top two brenda walsh at 395 and brandon walsh still our king at 404 total points so there you go there's your math someday we're going to clean that up but for now <laughs> we just struggle through it uh matt thanks for joining hopefully you'll have you back here soon and you'll continue your 90210 journey along and uh, we'll get you back in the rotation, no doubt. So thank you for joining us. Tim, I'll talk to you in three weeks' time with our next episode. It's a big one. Talking about Halloween special. So it's important. We'll get into that in a few weeks. Until then, a little dim sum, a little dim sum, and we'll talk to you all soon. Take care.